Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't yet joined our wonderful Flywheel Nation community, go to flywheelnation.com and join in the podcast conversations. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. One phrase sometimes that you can use, which is, I'm still currently allowing this to happen. What's still currently happening in my life is. So there's a presupposition that that can change and will change. If you help people to understand how powerful that they are, that they are consciously choosing or even unconsciously choosing, I am currently creating this recipe and I don't like it very much. But if I know that I am creating something that I don't like, then I'm equally as powerful to create something that I do like. Okay, I'm in control of the master computer and currently I'm getting not very good results, but it is a current. And if I'm that powerful to create it like that, then I'm equally powerful to create it like this. Give it focus, take action, be flexible, Keep moving forward. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. I'm really excited today to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest, Daniel Hill, who's a life coach, a mentor, and a therapist. Daniel specializes in assisting others, mainly through online video to master their psychology and their emotional well-being using tools such as Enneagrams and NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. If you'd like a peek behind the curtain of this show, go to innovabiz.co forward slash flywheel, where you'll be able to get your very own digital token that'll give you membership of the Flywheel Nation community. In the Flywheel Nation community, you'll have direct access to our amazing podcast guests, all of them, including Daniel, as well as me, of course. And you'll also have access to a short audio program that describes and walks you through every step of the entire InnovaBuzz podcasting process. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing and your podcast into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. We've only minted 30 copies of this digital token. I don't know how many there are left right now. They're being snapped up as we speak, so jump in quick before they're all gone. In our conversation today, Daniel talked to me about finding comfort in uncomfortability of the present moment. We talked about creating stillness to bring clarity and a sense of being just being in the moment. And we talked about recognizing patterns that are keeping us stuck and changing those patterns. Without further ado, then let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Daniel Hill. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast today, all the way from Kidderminster in England, Daniel Hill, who's a life coach, a mentor, and a therapist who enables people to master their psychology and emotional well-being. Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Daniel. It's a real privilege to have you as my guest. Thank you, Jürgen. Good morning. Good evening. Yes, evening where we are. Now, Riley Jarvis, and it's probably middle of the night where he is right now, he was our guest on episode 519 of the Innova Buzz podcast. He introduced us and suggested that we have a conversation. So big hello to Riley. Yeah, Riley's a good guy. Yeah, I've known Riley for a few years now. Yes. Yeah, now I'm, I'm really fascinated to 
have this conversation with you today. I know you do a lot of work with um, NLP as a technique. You work with Enneagrams, which I'm not familiar with very much. Um, and you also use EFT, Emotional Freedom Technique, as as one of your tools in, in your kit bag. And so there's there's lots there that we can talk about in terms of tools, but also really about the whole idea of mindset and how we can look after our mental well-being and mental health. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that conversation. But my opening question always is along the lines of what's the impact you're making in the world, Daniel? The impact that I'm making is to help people to feel better in simple terms. What does better mean? It means that we experience less stress, less anxiety, less low mood, and we take control of our mind where uh, the mind, people will often report that the mind controls them. So it's learning to master your mind rather than having your mind master you. Mm, yeah, fascinating concept. I'm always intrigued the mind. I mean, sometimes we talk about the mind and we refer to our brain. Uh, and other times we talk about the mind and it's kind of this nebulous concept that is everywhere in the body or it's the whole body. How do you see the mind as a, as a concept? It's an interesting uh, point because, um, yeah, I mean, right next to me here on the table is a book about body mind. Well, what, what, what on earth is that? So it, uh, I would... I would call it the unconscious. I work with the unconscious and I use a lot of unconscious tools that work on the unconscious mind at an unconscious level. So um, with health conditions, that's about 10% of my work. And it was my personal journey to getting into this um, vocation, which was healing myself. It was working with a body mind. Well, what's body mind? Well, it's just another part of the unconscious where we're saying that something uh, that may be showing up as a dis-ease within inside of us uh, has been created by the unconscious. And there is a dis-ease at the deep unconscious level that's thus showing up at a, um, at a physiological level. Um, there's a, a something, there's a lovely quote which says, uh, the issues are in the tissues. But that's one part <laughs> of my work. Yeah. That's one part of my work. So um, other other clients who I've seen over the years have come with all different types of um, challenges, and they all stem from the unconscious. We, th we think that we are consciously in control of our lives, hmm. and we are, but it's probably only to a few percent. Really, the unconscious is the thing that is so in control and operates um, our whole system of functioning that it would make complete sense to go and use tools that work on the unconscious because it's even just me talking is, is an unconscious practice. Hmm. There's a, I've had to learn unconsciously in order to be able to do that. Everything that we do stems from that. Um, central place i remember having hypnosis at 20 odd years ago it was my first probably 25 years ago it was my first ever um door into this work and i it was as, as a client and i remember the hypnotherapist saying that your unconscious mind is the most powerful tool that you can handle and i always remember that because it, i was listening to the <laughs> hypnosis and it just kept coming into my mind every time I listen to the 20, 25 minute hypnosis recording, it was back on a tape back then, you know. Um, but I, and it still uh, stays in my mind to this day. The unconscious is the most powerful tool that we will handle. And it comes without an operating manual. You know, <laughs> yes. Uh, and we download all of these things throughout our life, which, which then create all of these operating systems um, and then we go in to get married and get into business and have families and raise children and do all these things. And But without realizing we're running all of these unconscious patterns. And so hmm. the limitations that we reach most usually are to do with an unconscious limitation. We get somewhere and we can't get any further or we just keep hitting our head against a brick wall, probably, because 
what the, the pattern in the unconscious is telling us is we need to do A plus B equals C, or, you mm. know, and, and it just doesn't work. And that's because we're stuck in patterns. Dr. Richard Bandler says something like, who's the, one of the co-creators of NLP, we're always stuck in what we know when we get stuck. We're stuck in what we know. So it's a pattern. It comes from the unconscious that says, uh, there's another quote, uh, the, ma uh, the, the map is not the territory, where yeah, the unconscious right. thinks yeah. the map is the territory. It's the experience that we've once had. So unconscious, I would say. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I love that. And, and you touched on a couple of key presuppositions from NLP there that um, I think are, are really important. And I'd love to unpack the, the map is not the territory one. I, mean, I think we can translate that as, I mean, to me, it's kind of, and, I, and I'm actually giving a speech tomorrow where I'm using a metaphor to describe this actual principle to people who don't know anything about NLP, but I'm not talking about right. NLP. And the metaphor is a Polaroid, pol pair of Polaroid sunglasses that I have, and I love wearing them because they cut the glare. Um, but they also cut off reflections off the water, for example. So if I'm out walking and somebody says to me, hey, have a look at those beautiful reflections off the water, I can't see them because my glasses are cutting that out. I'm aware of that, right. so I can take the glasses off, I can see that. But if I'm not aware that that's happening, then what they're telling me doesn't exist in my mind, let's say, because it doesn't exist in my worldview, I can't see it. So therefore, it doesn't right. exist in my mind. So that that's kind of, a, to me, an example of that, the map is not the territory. The, the reflections are there, but I don't believe they are because I can't yeah. see them. You can't see them, you can't sense them. And we only have five senses, you know? Yeah. So if one of those is blocked, we're, it's blinking. It's like the racehorse. It's blinking, <laughs> isn't it? Sort of like, you know, it's focused on, on yeah. its outcome, on the goal. And but the other, this, the this other part of that, because the race, yeah, the racehorse one, because unconsciously what we do, analogous to those things, so we block things out all the time, and that's because um, how many million bits of information do we take in every oh, second? Exactly. Yeah. And Billion, millions or billions. Ridiculous yeah, I think amount. it might be billions. And yeah. if, we, if we had to process all that, um, we'd go stark raving mad. It's sort of be total, total overwhelm. So there, there's a protection mechanism there that blocks right. stuff out that the mind thinks or the brain thinks is not important to us. And that's right. how we, we're always blocking stuff out. And yeah. unfortunately, the downside of that is that in its attempt to keep us safe, to protect us, um, and that's what the blinkers do, protect the horse and keep it focused on running forward, that's what the sunglasses do. They protect me from um, getting tired eyes from the glare. Uh, but the downside of that is by blocking something else out, it's it's limiting our worldview. Yes. Generalizations, distortions, and deletions are yeah. what are called beliefs. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're deleting information all the time. Masses. We're generalizing lots of information, generalizing this, and distorting information. Mm. Massively. I think it's been said that from those billions of bits of information a second that we download, uh, we filter it to, if I remember my um, teachings correctly, it was between something like five to 35 bits of information mm. a second. Um, yeah, I think we can process uh, seven plus or minus two, it says, at the same time. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's but very that small. That, All yeah. we know is it's, it's, in, <laughs> it's, tiny it is tiny yeah and um, which highlights how powerful the unconscious mind is because it's actually dealing with all that stuff absolutely completely yeah yeah i mean i trained originally as a as a counselor back in the day and i did think about becoming a psychotherapist and there's elements of that in my work um but for whatever reason i was just continuously drawn pulled <laughs> to work with the unconscious. It was always work with the unconscious, the unconscious, the unconscious. And then I started to read stories of people who'd overcome all different types of things. Originally, it was health stuff because that was my mm. challenge. And, um, and I, it, it boggled my mind that this wasn't part of uh, like general practice with psychology. Um, and 
and then I just kept learning more and more and more. And and sometimes that like, you would I would meet people who would I'd have conversations where um, what I was saying was blinkered to their worldview, and they mm. might have been a psychologist or they might have been a counselor or psychotherapist. You know, I was like, look, here's a book of a man who's healed of multiple sclerosis. It took eight years, but, you know, he, he worked on his mind. One of the chapters was, is your mind ready to be well? I remember reading that going, what the hell has that got to do with recovery from serious disease? Because my, it was a, my, I was blinkered to, to what, was, what was possible, even though I, uh, I was using my sensory acuity to think, well, I'm, I'm not, this isn't a charlatan. This is somebody who's written a story about their journey. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, there's, there's some fascinating stories. One of the things, because that, that kind of prompted in my mind the, the idea, you talk quite a lot about transformation and how to, how to actually achieve it and how hard it can be. Um, I talk right. transformation in a business sense, but it's kind of like right. taking you from where you are today to yep. where you want to go. So in, in transformation yep. sense, so tell us a little bit about how you see transformation, why it's so hard and, and, and what are some of the things that you do to and what we can do ourselves perhaps to, you know, if we're looking for a transformation in a certain area, I mean, it might be, it might not be as momentous as curing ourselves of multiple sclerosis hopefully there's not too many sufferers of that here but at the same time we might have a little thing like um losing weight or getting fitter right right yeah making the business more profitable um mm. there's, there's all different types of of um of things but the first thing would be to notice what your outcome is and realize what your outcome is uh, otherwise, you just you you head in a you know you, you in the sea of potential and possibility. Where are you heading? So where where are you going? Occasionally, you'll meet people and they'll go, oh, "I just I'm going with life. I'm going with you know going with the flow." That's okay, but we know that when we have focus, we are then generalizing, distorting, and deleting towards the focus that we wish to get to. I use the word wish rather than want. Um, it's something that I have done my best to uh, park uh, to to an extent where uh, it's go with me on this. It's like the power of love overcoming the power of fear, being that love is more powerful than fear. So by getting into um, a wish, well, where where do you wish to take the business? Where do you wish to be in five years' time? Where do you wish to be in your health, in your relationships, in uh, where do you wish to be um, in terms of anything? By setting that as an outcome, you're then reminding yourself where you're heading towards. So that gives you that focus. The transformational journey is is not easy, as you say. Like from the caterpillar to the to the butterfly or the um, or the moth, it's. Um, it, it is challenging. It's it's not linear. I've, I've never worked with anybody where it's it's straightforward. But when you're working with that resistance, there's something that I've coined the phrase of, and I call it "be with the non-being." So that is, be with the awkwardness of the the new reality that you're wishing to move towards. It's like. You know, when you buy a pair of shoes, you know, when they're, and they're, they're, they're tight for a while, it doesn't feel, they don't feel, doesn't feel right. You want to go back to the old shoes that were falling apart almost. <laughs> but um, finding comfort despite the uncomfortability is one of the tools that you can use to remind yourself that it's going to feel awkward for a while. Hmm. Whatever that transformation Otherwise, there's a there's a phrase that from one of my books, which was I'm going to go back to like serious disease again. It's uh, it says at a very deep unconscious level, um, they would rather stick with the unpleasant present than to take a chance on the future that they do not yet know. Hmm. And you could argue that with every part of transformation, it's 
where we where we are, um, we, it may be uncomfortable, and we're setting a goal which is that I'd like to get to here, and to get there, it's going to feel frightening. It's going to feel awkward. It might not look exactly right to begin with. So all of those senses are going to have to get used to a new reality, and that's going to be strange. Like when we went to school, you remember? Did you ever change school? Like when you went from one school to the next, and it was like, oh, you. I've, I've, I've now got to meet new classmates and there's going to be kids older than me. It was awkward for a while. Mm, all of those things right, that yeah. we went through, we've all been through transformation. You and I have been through puberty a long time ago. We had our first kiss a long time ago. Uh, had our first beer. Can you remember your first beer? <laughs> Maybe you don't drink, Jürgen. I don't yeah. know. But no, I, it, I, it's I, like, I did have a first beer at some point. I don't remember when it was. <laughs> But it was weird, sort of mm. like, you know, you've been used to drinking maybe pop or uh, like soda or, or water. It's those things where uh, it's something that I just call be with the non-being. Yeah. So it's be with the awkwardness, be with the uncomfortableness as best you can. Um, if we add anything else to that, um, it, we're just making it more difficult. So it's... It's finding some being, so practices that, that help you to feel as if you're in the present moment. And those are anything from grounding yourself, stilling your mind, opening your heart. Mm. Um, these are all practices that will help us find the present moment and find a sense of being. Yeah. Which is where we are always, anyway, it's the mind that projects us into various places where... We think that we either can't cope or we might be overwhelmed or um, we have to have something more from the present moment than what we are getting. Mm. But we will always ever going to be in the present moment, even when you manifest your outcome, whatever that is, you know, if, however wonderful it is, you know, radical recovery, millions of dollars, manifesting an amazing partner, uh, whatever it is, this, this, this thing that we are, we're wishing to, uh, to manifest when we get there, guess what? The present moment will still be there. We think that it will be better and it may well be, but it's still going to be the present moment. And that, um, that present moment is still going to have challenges because you're, you're in this thing called life and life is, is going to mm. constantly have challenges. So the challenge of the transformation um, is is something like um, it, there's a surrendering to it. it. Once you've made the commitment to making that transformation, you can almost just let things occur. Maybe like... Um, I was going to say sort of like a woman having a baby. It's like, they, you know, there's no need to force it. it, it the transformation is that the, the baby will come out. It will work its way out. And I think that when we make the outcome of what it is that we wish to be, to, to, to experience, what we wish to manifest, if that's really, really clear, as long as we're continuing to take action to move towards it, we notice when we're getting further away. And then number four is like being flexible in our approach it'll manifest. It will be, we'll be nearer to it. And if we don't fully manifest it, at least we'll be nearer to it than where we once were. Mm. And I think there is a process which goes with life, which um, I think life, it's a belief really that I have, but I think that life wishes for us to grow. And I think once we're clear on where we're going and if it's in accordance with like life's wishes, it's, it's like, which life wishes for us to grow. I think that we can almost surrender to that um, that transformational process. It's going to be a little awkward. It's going to feel a bit weird. Um, it might not sound completely exactly as we wished for it to sound, but eventually it will find its way. And eventually it'll be, um, it'll be manifest. It'll be born. <laughs> it'll come through. Yeah. Yeah. In some ways, it's a bit like, because you talk there about growth, in some ways, it's a bit like the 
the learning journey we all go through and and a lot of people i mean i know i get very frustrated if i i'm doing something new and it takes me longer to figure out than i think i should be able to figure this out and i get right. quite frustrated and yeah. i I always take a step back from that and say, hmm, okay, clearly I don't know what I'm doing here uh, yet. And I always add yet. Great <laughs> so word. Language is really important. I'll come back to that Power, in a moment. Yeah. And um, it's, it's kind of like that stage where, and when you think the classic example, I guess, is for most people who've learned to drive a car, is those early days when you're thinking of, and this is where this seven plus or minus chunk comes up. So we're right. thinking, um, okay, check the mirror, check the um, check the ignition, um, is the handbrake off? Um, can we put it into gear? So there's all this right. stuff going on. And now once we've gotten to the stage where we've learned to drive and we've got quite a bit of experience, all of that stuff is actually not separate bits of information. It's all just one chunk. It's like get in the car and yeah. start driving, right? That's yeah. like one chunk. It's maybe not even that. It's like, okay, I'm going to go from A to B and I'll just use the car. So to me, and I've recently I've been much more uh, cognizant of some of those situations where I've started doing something new that, that, I knew it was going to be quite challenging and I got to this point where I got quite frustrated because I just wasn't making any progress and then I, okay, relax. This is just the that unconscious competence area and at some point if you can relax enough and you keep doing the work on it obviously to learn it, it it's kind of like almost you fall over a waterfall and all of a sudden, hey, this is all, it's all falling into place now. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. It's a perfect metaphor. It's that relaxing, which is what I call be with the non-being. It's it's finding, okay, you're getting overwhelmed about what's happening. You're getting um, frightened. You're getting angry or whatever. That's not going to help. Forcing this is not going to help. Mm. Come out, come, come away from it, come back to it. Um, and you might well see it with different eyes. You might <laughs> hear it differently. You might, um, you know, it's one of those things where uh, some of the geniuses, um, that have existed in life. We go to bed uh, with a, a piece of paper and a, and a pencil right next to the, the bedside, on the bedside table. Um, it'd probably be an iPhone these days, but uh, it, they'd have those um, great insights into solving those problems at a different level of consciousness. And sometimes that was when they were drifting through in and out of sleep because you're going into um, so you were in beta, then you slightly relax, you go into alpha, and then you go into theta well, and, uh, before you go to delta. So when you're in alpha and theta states, that's like super learning. It's where the unconscious is really open. Um, and you can come up with ideas. I mean, I've, I've had the most amazing ideas in the shower and, the, <laughs> you know, or on a walk in nature. And mm. it's just, um, it, it's like I'm either connected to my intuition or the, the something bigger than me. Something mm. more intelligent than me, uh, or certainly more intelligent than just this. And I call yeah. this the won't get the mind. Why do I call it the won't get the mind? Well, it can't really be. It's always wanting something. It wants <laughs> something because when it gets it, then it can be. It's like, well, how often does it ever be? And this is why we have um, uh, symbols like um, the Buddha and, uh, you know, uh, even Krishna. It's they're in these states of being and why people look up to them. The mind feels that it has to always get somewhere and that's the unconscious, that's the ego. It, um, but when we're in those states uh, and, and we start uh, forcing things, because the won't get the mind wants to force, it wants something, I want it, when I get it, only then I can be. But it doesn't get to be, it never gets to be. If it is, it's momentary, and then it's on to wanting something else again. So actually, it's the creation of being now, that creation of finding some stillness that actually will help you connect with other intelligence that exists within us and maybe outside of us, that um, we can then figure out solutions. Yeah. I love the quote which um, Einstein had, which is, you cannot solve a problem at the yeah. same level of consciousness who created it. I think we've talked about that before. Um 
and uh, well, if we're talking about transformation, growth, challenges, all these things, it, it's that's what it is. It's it's that we life is full of challenge. It doesn't matter whether you win the lottery and you win ten million on the lottery. Just saw a video on it on YouTube the other day. A man in Britain, he, he won nine point seven million. He lost it all within <laughs> within ten years. Yeah. Within ten years, his consciousness didn't believe he was worthy of it. Mm. He, for whatever reason, he just he got rid of the lot. He was back to delivering coal for a living and working in a factory making biscuits or something. Um, fascinating. Yeah, I, it's. It's amazing to me. I don't know whether it's the, the the kind of people, the majority of people that play the lottery, maybe fall into that kind of mindset. Uh, but there's just so many stories of that where people have this big windfall and then within a relatively short space of time, it's all gone. I mean, spending a million each year well I'd, you'd have to be spending more than a million each year to get rid of it in 10 years wouldn't you because it's yeah <laughs> the rest of it is accumulating interest absolutely it, it, it's another example of um it's another example of that money doesn't solve things hmm. i've worked with some phenomenally wealthy clients and to begin with when i manifested them it was um it surprised me my my uh, belief system back then, we'll be talking a good decade more ago, but my belief system back then was, uh, well, they're multimillionaires. They've obviously sorted out all their problems. You know, they must <laughs> yeah. be living an amazing life. And what I discovered was they were living the same lives that the clients that hadn't got as much money were mm. living, just with the, the, they were spending that little bit less. The houses were smaller, but the same issues were within business. They were within families, they were within uh, their mindset, how they think on a daily basis, talking about the won't get be mine, they still had a won't get be mine. It wasn't, um, it wasn't fabulous all the time. That, that was a big, I don't know why it was really, but it was a big eye opening thing. Oh, in fact, I would say, yes, I do know why it is, because my, the unconscious always knows. My dad was very much a businessman, and, and he had a factory. And he was always worried about money and it was always about thinking that I think it was an unconscious thing that we were brought up, which was money sol solves problems, money mm. solves this and that and the other. And, um, and there was a, a fear about not having enough of it. And I think he also saw other people who'd been more successful financially um, and had some jealousy towards that. So that was like an unconscious program that was mm. within my mindset of that, well, money will solve this. And it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, it, it, sometimes I've noticed it creates even more problems, but it's a different kind of problem um, that people who don't have much money have. So it, it, <laughs> we have to come back down to our mindset, our yeah. focus, um, and practices that I'm very big on this, and practices um, that help us to feel a sense of being now, not because if we talk about the won't get be mind, well, if we say, well, that doesn't work, what does work? And it's more about connecting with a sense of being now. And then whatever challenge you're then facing, you're coming with that being or more of that being now. You're not thinking that, that fixing that problem or whatever the manifestation is you're working towards is going to be the be all and end all. You mm -hmm. have to come as best you can from the creation of that being now. So becomes quite spiritual because you you're finding that um uh you're becoming as much as you can to getting that buddha mindset where you're you're having more presence the more presence and the more being that you can have paradoxically you're going to have more of a clearer mind in order to be able to work towards the manifestation of your outcome hmm. and you'll have that being now not at the end of it I'm going to fix this because when I fixed it, oh, then, it, then I can be. So, it's so like is, do you have a simple, a simple exercise that everyone can do to kind of go from that um, drive and grind state to to that being state, just being? Well, the, there's three, and I've mentioned them already, and I'm not going to go into the Enneagram today um, because I think it's 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 too big and hmm. too open. Um, but um, three simple practices are 
um, stilling the mind, grounding into the body, and opening the heart. So there are certain personality types that need to work on opening the heart. That's any types three, seven, and eight. I do something called Enneagram mentoring. Enneagram means nine. Gram is graph. It's a graph of nine types. It's so much more than that that I do a lot of mentoring with, with types. I have a sense that Jürgen might be a five. So that would be that you'd benefit greatly from grounding into your body. When you do something like that, it actually reminds your mind that you have a body and you would feel that more of that sense of being. And there are other types like me that have to work at stilling the mind. I'm an Enneagram type six. So any types ones, twos, and sixes greatly benefit from stilling the mind. The more that you do that, those are simple practices, but the more that you can find something and you get into doing that, it, 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 when, you, when you're not doing it, it feels like you're not brushing your teeth. It feels a bit awkward. Mm. You know, I haven't brushed my teeth today. So it's something that will help you find that sense of that being. Gabor Mate is an Enneagram type five. I just listened to an interview with him. And in the last 10 years, he's discovered something, you know, discovered yoga and how beneficial it was to him. He didn't realize, and he's, I'd say he's an Enneagram type five and four. So it just means that it's something that enables him to get to that sense of being now. This hmm. is why it's called spiritual practice, but it could just be psychological practice. It's something that helps you to feel that sense of being now. It's vitally important, regardless of whether you're even retired. I think Gabor Mate is retired. Um, he still writes books, but um, yeah, it, 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 it overrides that won't get the mind because there's, a, there's always that feeling that there's something that um, we need to accomplish. Actually, all spiritual teachings are saying no. And when we're looking, when I've worked with people in business, you know, it's kind of, well, we don't want to use the word spiritual. But eventually, when I've introduced them to something like the Enneagram, um, then they've ended up um, realizing that they are a certain personality type and they do have a want get be mind. And this kind of just makes sense psychologically. And I said, well, that's fine. We leave it there. It doesn't have to go any further. Um, but there's something that I do, um, or a phrase that I, I use, which is um, that we, by doing something like that and creating the, that sense of being now, we're surrendering to the intelligence beyond intelligence, whatever we call that, but it's an intelligence beyond our this intelligence, which thinks it's so intelligent. <laughs> yeah. But there is an intelligence out there, whatever we, we call that, um, and we're able to connect with that much more. So, yeah, those three practices are, are beneficial. And you can go into so many different things about stilling the mind, grounding into the body and opening the heart. You have to find something that's right for you. Yeah, yeah. And there's, there's lots of different things. I know I, um, I, you mentioned having ideas in the shower. I do a lot of bike riding. And, and particularly these days, I'm, I'm on my own a lot because um, it's cold in the mornings when the bunch goes. And I don't handle the cold very well these days anymore so i'll go later <laughs> and um yeah when i'm on my own it's kind of like everything just quietens down because i'm focused on just that physical activity which is probably a little bit of that in the body um style Definitely. that you mentioned and um i get Definitely. lots of ideas there so anything that that and if it's enjoyable as well i think is is really helpful absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. All right. Well, this is fascinating, Daniel. I could go on talking ages and we've only just touched a little bit on Enneagrams, but I think that might be a whole another episode or even a big episode. So I think it's a good point now to move on to the buzz, which is our lightning round of five questions that I ask every guest. And the idea is yeah, you'll share some tips and inspire the listener to go and do something awesome today as a result. You all set? Yeah, go for it. What's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Take the blinkers off. Uh, <laughs> become, um, become more focused on your outcome. And um, yeah, in summary, really, with everything that we've said, I mean, it's mm. like, you know, ground into the body, still the mind and, uh, and open the heart. And yeah. Um, Think as openly as you possibly can. 
Mm. Yeah, I love it. Be open and take those blinkers off. Yeah, see more of the world. What's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Educate myself. I think um, I'm constantly learning. I, and I learn from people who've already manifested outcomes that I wish to manifest. So uh, I would say um, modeling other people, becoming aware of where other people have had success in all different types of shapes and forms. Mm. Yes, there's a, there's another topic we could go down a rabbit yeah. hole on the modeling. <laughs> Um, rapid learning techniques, isn't it? Absolutely. There's so many, oh, there's masses and masses of, uh, of stuff out there that people have um, excelled at and they, they get um, great results from. And, you know, all the information's there. That's the brilliant thing about the internet. It's the fact that, you know, it's just, you don't have to Google something and you'll find experts straight away. You'll find masters of this and that and the other. And, you know, it's um, that, that little thing up there that little box where you can write anything in mm. it's just like you could you know you could write amazing things in there and you're going to get amazing things out and then you're going to find videos of people who talked about it and done it and um yeah that's the, that's, that's one of the benefits i think of, of the of the internet we're in what uh, i love the phrase of global village now it's like yeah, okay yeah. Find out what this guy's doing over here, this girl's doing, what's more what they're experiencing. Mm. Yeah, it's wonderful, isn't it? All right, well, um, it kind of relates to the next question, which is what's a favourite resource you use most often? I think it's the internet. Mm. <laughs> I would say it's the internet, yeah. Yeah. And the, the fact that, that everything's on there from um, information to um, hypnosis. I still listen to hypnosis every now and again. In fact, mm. there, was a, there, was some, um, uh, there was some books, like self-development books that I bought years ago, and there was a CD in the back of them, and I couldn't remember where the CD was. And I just thought, oh, do you know what? I'd, I'd like to listen to hypnosis, and I really like that CD. I haven't listened to it for 15 years. It was on YouTube. You know, the actual, the author of it actually yeah. uploaded it, so people had it for free. Now, I thought the book's just down there. Um, everything, that's the, yeah. I think it'd probably be the internet. Everything's on there. Everything's on there. The exactly. whole thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's pretty From amazing. From my iMac to my yeah. phone, every everything's on there. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Now, what's the best way to keep a client on track? Accountability <laughs> that came up really big. It was as big as the Hollywood sign <laughs> in my mind. Um, accountability. So it's not my job to keep a client on track. My job is to hand back accountability of I can help you, I can assist you, I can mentor you, I can coach you, but you're responsible for your own life. Mm -hmm. And um, the more you can make someone accountable the more you hand back their power. We are all incredibly powerful beings that can, you know, we could do so much. Um, but there's, there's a part of our unconscious with almost everyone that hits a ceiling somewhere. Mm. So, um, to hand back that accountability in, in a, Gentle way. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes not always gentle, but most usually gentle. <laughs> mm. Most people are committed. Most people who work with me are already committed yeah. to change. So it's just, it's it's helping them. One, one phrase sometimes that you can use, which is, um, uh, I'm allowing this to happen, or I'm still currently allowing this to happen. What's still currently happening in my life is, so there's a, there's a presupposition on that, that, that that can change mm. and, and will change. Even using the word yet, I yeah. interrupted you slightly earlier and you used the word yet. And I I just think it's the, the amazing word, the power of the word yet. But if you, if you help 
people to understand how powerful that they are, that they are consciously choosing or even unconsciously choosing. Yeah, it's an unconscious and conscious, but it's, uh, this is where you currently are. Handing that back is an incredibly powerful thing because it's basically saying, I am currently creating this recipe and I don't like it very much. Okay. And, but I, if I know that I am creating something that I don't like, then I'm equally as powerful to create something that I do like. Mm. So you can hand back that, that accountability. It's, it, it, it helps you to realize that, okay, I'm in control of the master computer and <laughs> currently I'm getting not very good results, but it is a current. Mm. And if I'm that powerful to create it like that, then I'm equally powerful to create it like this. Keep it focus, take action, be flexible, keep um, keep moving forward. Mm, yeah, I love it, and and that message of that we're all actually incredibly powerful is is something I think we all need to kind of remind ourselves of quite a lot. And and who was it that said um, our greatest fear is not that we that we are weak but that we are powerful beyond belief um marion williamson an enneagram type three uh, and that was in a book return to love i think from 93 yeah mm. she was kind of channeled that was yeah yeah it was uh and it's it's so true yeah our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure mm. wow really <laughs> yeah 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 all right. Um, final question of the buzz. Number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves. Be yourself. Be the most <laughs> authentic self that you can be. Um, otherwise, you're forcing and trying to be something that you're not. Um, so, yeah, be the most authentic self that you can be. Brené Brown is an Agram type six. Um, it has been very successful with the, the power of vulnerability. Hmm. That's become something that's, that's become almost like a unique selling point. Um, so I think that the more that, the more that you're authentic, and that means being uh, true to yourself, working out uh, what makes you happy, um, you're gonna return to more of a sense of being now. Mm. If you're trying to be something that you're not, that goes with what I call the won't get be mine. Yeah. I, I wanna be, I wanna be like this. Because when I get to be like that, then people are going to see me this way. And then when people see me that way, then then I'll get what I want. But that's going to be exhausting. Yeah, that's right. Um, I was people just, do this in I was just going to say people do this on... in relationships. <laughs> you know, you go out on a on a date and it's like giving the impression that I'm like this person. And actually um what works the best is if you sort of say, This is who I am. Hmm. These these are the struggles that I go through, but this is what I've overcome. This is what this is what I've achieved. This is um, this is who I am. Hmm. Um, yeah, and that yes. must work with, um, with with products that are out there on the market where some people are buying. They're buying something, buying services or products, and you're buying into something. Hmm. So I think I just think it's easier for the whole ethos of everything just to hmm. be authentic. Be just to, this is how it is. How I've got my clients over the years, I've done interviews and they've said, oh, I, I heard you on this interview and you said such and such. And did I? I don't remember. Okay, brilliant. <laughs> so I, but I obviously said something that resonated with them and mm. they took one little thing and I wasn't trying to sell. I yeah. wasn't trying to be different. I was different just by being myself. Mm. And we're all so individual that we're all actually different. Yeah, that's right. I love that. And I love that you said that because people, you talked earlier about modeling and I think there's some people get confused between modeling somebody, but being authentically yourself at the same time, right. which yeah. I think you can do. Um, yes. But they kind of think that modeling someone means doing exactly what they do, acting exactly right. like they act. And yeah. Yeah. 
you, uh, the good metaphor would be like um, Jürgen would like to make a really fantastic chocolate cake. Okay, so we need to model what Jeff does when he makes his fantastic chocolate cake. But it's never going to be the same chocolate cake exactly. No. The, the ingredients are always going to be slightly different. And you're going to put whatever you put into making that chocolate cake. So it'll be still be Jeff's chocolate cake and Jürgen's chocolate cake. They're never going to be slight. They're, they're never going to be exact. They're always going to be slightly different. So, hmm. um, you know, how I coach, for example, is, um, is not really how I was taught. It's like driving. Do you drive uh, the, the way that you were taught when you were, what, 17? Yeah. When you learned to drive, like me? Mm. You, you develop your own style. Mm. You, you develop your own style. You become, um, you become yourself. And um, you're still modeling how someone drives a car. You need to change the gears this way. And, you know, this is how you... I mean, I, even to this day, I still do a lifesaver move that I learned when I was, when I used to ride motorbikes, the lifesaver move is you wouldn't do it in a car. You do on a motorbike because if you're going to have an accident in a car, most likely you're going to survive on a motorbike. You know, you've mm. got to do this extra maneuver and I still do it. It's still part of my, um, unconscious protocol in, in driving the car. And I still do it when, when I'm in, in the car. I, I, it's such an unconscious program that it's in there. And I think, well, why delete that? Yeah. You never know. Yeah. It's serving you, right? <laughs> Not doing any harm. All right. Well, thanks for getting us through the buzz, Daniel. Now, um, this has been great conversation. Um, where can people find out more about the work you do and maybe even reach out and say thanks for what you've shared with us today and resume or okay. take yeah, up the conversation? You. you can... Uh, Put me into Google and put in Daniel Hill Coaching. I'm pretty much everywhere. You find me on LinkedIn, um, Daniel Hill Online Video Life Coach. Uh, I'm there. Daniel Hill Online Video Coach, uh, actually, on um, LinkedIn. Uh, DanielHill.biz is my website. Uh, I'm on uh, Instagram and I'm doing TikTok now. And uh, I've got a, a big YouTube channel, which is about 10 years old, with lots of interviews and techniques and things on there over the last uh, decade or so so yeah find find that reach out to me i've got a calendly link have a, have a free 30-minute conversation with me um so yeah look forward to speaking to anybody excellent we'll include those links in the show notes of course now what action would you like our listener to take away from today's conversation daniel If there's something that's not quite right in your life, then look at how you would like it to be. And so go to go to an outcome of that uh, of what you wish to experience, and be clear on that. And if that means reaching out to me, then you can reach out to me. But if it means uh, reaching out to uh, someone else, most likely when we're moving towards an outcome, we need help and guidance and mentoring or, or something. Um, we, we must take action towards what it is that we wish to get towards. Mm. And then we need to notice if we're getting nearer or further away. A lot of people, when they decide to change their life or to move towards something, um, they're not usually very clear on what it is. And then what they'll do is take some action. And then if it doesn't work, they might give up mm. or they might just hit a brick wall. So we need to be flexible. And when you're flexible, you're much more likely to be able to work out what it is that you need to do in order to be able to get your outcome. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it. And that's, um, it's basically the five success principles that, that are taught in NLP, isn't it? Right. Yeah. All right. And, um, finally, Daniel, who else should I bring on the show and why? Well, should you bring on the show? Um, that's a really good question. You've stumped me there. I wasn't. I wasn't thinking I was going to be asked that. You've already. Uh, you've already seen Riley. Yeah. Um, well, there's a guy. Um, there's a guy in America that I've been connected to, 
Um, there's a, a an alternative health doctor, functional. I think they call them functional functional medicine doctor. Is that what they call them? It's very different. Mm -hmm. In this country, we'd call it something something different. Um, and uh, yeah, we've talked we've talked a little bit about health today. I think he'd be an interesting person to interview. He's very busy, um, but uh, yeah, he's a he's an encyclopedia of. Um, uh, what would you call it? Sort of uh, alternative health, you would you would say. Yeah, okay. And I just think um, <laughs> he stumps me every single time with <laughs> how much knowledge he's got. And uh, you and I are personality types that love knowledge. He's somebody that you could just listen to. It's like it's like opening a, a, a an alternative medical um, encyclopedia. He just. Mm comes out with all these words and things and he's got masses of experience he might be very he might be someone that you find interesting uh, to listen to all right well yeah we'll, we'll get an introduction to him so what, what's his name dr um justin markiagani uh, you can find him on youtube i think he's got about sixty thousand subscribers on there oh, wow. uh, and it's um justin health justin health. health all right okay well we'll yeah. We'll get an introduction to Justin from you and see if we can find a time to chat to him. Okay. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights with us so generously today, Daniel. I've really enjoyed our conversation. We've kind of barely scratched the surface, I feel, but um, maybe we do a repeat <laughs> performance again sometime soon. More thanks. than happy to do that, Jacob. Thanks Thank a lot. All the best for the future and let's stay in touch. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that really engaging and informative conversation with Daniel and took something away from his episode. So today's action. If there's something that isn't quite right in your life or your business, then visualize it how you would like it to be. Go to an outcome of what you wish to experience and get really clear on that. That's the first step. The next step, of course, is that we must take action towards what it is that we wish to achieve. And then, as we take that action, we need to notice if we're getting nearer or if we're getting further away or off track. We need to be flexible. And when we're flexible, we're much more likely to be able to work out what it is that we need to do in order to get our desired, our wished-for outcome. Daniel's episode can be found at innovabiz.co forward slash Daniel Hill. That is D-A-N-I-E-L-H-I-L-L. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Daniel Hill. There you'll also find contact information for getting in touch with Daniel, as well as links to his website, his social media pages, his YouTube channel, which is quite extensive, and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. If you've listened this far into the show and you love this conversation, and you think it'd be useful to one other person, be brave enough to share the conversation with that one other person. What's holding you back? You'd be doing them a service. Also, make sure to get the episode bookmark token at innovabiz.co forward slash bookmarks. For the cost of just a cup of coffee, you can have your very own permanent record of this show. And 50% of the revenue from this episode token will go directly to Daniel as guest of the episode, and the other 50% goes towards supporting the show. Think of it as a way to support Daniel as the guest and tell him that you really loved this episode. Daniel suggested we have a conversation with Dr. Justin Marcagiani on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Justin, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast, courtesy of Daniel Hill. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to leave a review on this episode. It will help us to make the podcast better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz and pick your preferred platform. Now remember too, to go to innovabuzz.co forward slash flywheel 
to collect your unique digital token, which will give you membership of the Flywheel Nation community, where you'll have direct access to our amazing podcast guests, as well as to a short audio program that walks you through the entire InnovaBuzz podcasting process. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast, where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.